What's up, Internet? You're tuned into this week's edition of the Comics Pals Comic Book Reviews. I feel like we need a snappier name for this show. Yeah, that was a bit of a mouth cl- a mouthful. It's yeah. not a we watch what if that. No, it's got that, some yeah. alliteration. We need Comics. it. Yeah, I know. Pals I know. Pull. No, that's a thing already. Damn it. See, and I've been I've been lobbying to call it Pals Pulls. I feel like it's got the juice. You know, we got to bring that over here. We'll see. We'll see. One day we'll get some branding on the show. But anyway, we're here to review some comic books for you because it is Thursday and uh, it's time to review all the books we had to pay money for. So uh, this week we've got a mighty Marvel special for you. We are uh, reviewing. Kang. So here's some alliteration. There, there we, we go. go. Right. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Thanks, Stan. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, Kang the Conqueror number one, Moon Knight number two, Way of X number five, and X-Men The Trial of Magneto number one. Pretty stacked list, mostly new books that are pretty hot and exciting to jump into. So uh, let's let's dive right into it with Kang number one. We'll kick things off with a brand new book. Uh, uh, this book I was definitely interested in. Um, but I wasn't quite, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't quite expecting what we got. Interesting. Um, okay. I am, I'm struggling. I cannot find the page with the creative team's name. I was just looking for that too. I can't find it. Either, I don't think dude. it's in here. Like, I was expecting it to be in the art or something. I was literally just looking through this. Yeah. I'm like, I, I always love to rattle off the creator's names first. So Tyler, while you, while you pick yeah, that I'm, out, I'm bringing it up. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I don't know what what I was exactly expecting. Like, obviously, I'm familiar with Kang as a character, um, at least casually, right? Like, I know him as a, as a one of the most famous Avengers villains, and you know, I know a bit of his backstory in terms of the many different characters that he's connected to, and and all that. Um, so, I was kind of wondering, like, what would a what would a book about him even really entail? And this um, this felt like a really good in inroad, not only just to like kind of contextualizing the character for new readers um, or those who are maybe like not familiar with him at all, but want to learn about him after Loki. Um, it felt like a good at bat for that, but it also was just a strong issue. I thought I thought it was really well paced for a number one. Yeah, um, I had a lot of fun with this actually. Um, I uh, so I, I do have the team. Uh, it is. Uh, writing uh, J- writers Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, who I think are mostly um, they've done a lot of uh, DC kind of not anthology stuff, but like Batman Urban Legends, a couple of the okay. holiday specials. So I think this is like their first big Marvel get, which pretty big get to get Kang right after he's been introduced in the MCU. Yeah. Um, get one of those synergy books. Um, yeah, I know Jackson awesome. Lansing has been tweeting about this, like how excited he is to put this in people's hands. Um, Add artist Carlos Magno. Um, and I think, uh, uh, colorist Espen Grundich. Oh boy. Grundiger. I, I feel like, I feel, yeah, sure. Yeah. That, that, that's a Grundiger. Apologies yeah, okay. if we mispronounce yeah, any of that, that. That feels right after I said it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to, to talk about some of the mechanics, like, uh, Magno on art on this one, I'm not oh, dude. familiar with their work, but like, holy yeah. crap. Um, they did Chip Zdarsky's Invaders book. Okay. Um, which uh, is one of those like things that kind of flew under the radar. Like, you know, who was reading an Invaders book in 2019? Um, should have been everyone, but it probably <laughs> was not much. Uh, nobody really cares about the, the original Human Torch or Namor, I guess. But uh, he really killed it on that. Uh, and this, he does even better on this. This is this is giving me a lot of um, 
Oh, uh, who who am I thinking of here? Who who did Civil War? I know this is a. I should know this. Um, McNiven. McNiven. I was going to say Sean somewhere screaming in the multiverse. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is giving me like McNiven vibes, and I'm I'm really liking it. Um, and you know I'm a sucker for a villain led book. I'm a sucker to for you know a deep dive into the psyche of a villain. You know, Kang's been a lot of things throughout the MC, uh, the Marvel universe, so. Maybe a villain is a little too broad a term to give him, but um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one, honestly. Yeah, and I, I, it surprised me, you know, and it, it does a lot of things that I, I often will, um, will, will kind of critique other books for. Like it was very wordy, it was dense, but sure. it was good, and and I think you know as much as there are some some kind of like unspoken rules that I generally like want to see like in an issue one or at least in a, in a book in general, like the easiest way to get away with breaking it is just by being good. And I, I like the yeah. script here was strong enough that I didn't care about those things. Yeah. Wordy is usually bad. I, I agree. Like, like if, it, but it depends on the, the character, like wordy makes sense when it's Kingpin, when it's Dr. Doom. Sure. Uh, and it works with Kang. You know, this is a guy who is incredibly full of himself. Um, he is the he believes himself the master of time. Um, so, of course, he's going to keep talking and spewing his mouth. So it, it works in this. And I think it uh, this th this issue does two things real well. Um, it introduces you to who Kang is and where he kind of exists in the Marvel Universe as a whole. I mean, Kang can really exist at any point anywhere, um, but it also lets you know, like, that's a possibility as well. Um, sure. And it also gives you a hook. It's like. Young Kang, this is Kid Kang, um, kind of finding out how to become himself in a way. And it's one of those like timey wimey stories where uh, Kang, adult Kang, is teaching young Kang how to be Kang. I'm saying Kang a lot. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot Spendous of Kang. dialogue? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, and like, and like us, the reader, we're like, oh, this is just going to lead to his fated destiny just to be the same guy. He just let quote unquote die, you know? Um, but I, I thought it was, I thought it was well, well executed, you know? I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to is yeah. like it, it, it does just feel good because it's well executed. Like the script is strong. The art is good. It's a compelling enough character that like, I want to learn more about. And like, that's really all I needed to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the script's strong. And, but it's not, it's not a complex story. No. You know, there's, there's what three or two and a half characters, I guess. Like it's not overburdened with an insane cast. You have to keep track of people. It really at its core, it's just Kang and Kang. So it's two, maybe one character. Um, but it, it it's, it, it for a, a time travel book, it's oddly straightforward, which is, which yeah. is refreshing because time travel books can sometimes be a little too full of themselves, honestly. And gets a little too confusing for sure. Yeah, and I definitely appreciate um, you. You called this out uh, earlier about how it, it does kind of have him in this self fulfilling prophecy. But yeah, like, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. I I totally love how they kind of take advantage of you know the kid Kang as it were, like him kind of having that youthful ignorance of like not me, like my whole life's still ahead of me, and I won't make the same mistakes you made, old man. And it's like we'll see. <laughs> yeah but even they even play with that too because like kid kang's like oh no we can't how, how are you seeing me isn't that gonna cause a paradox 
And then <laughs> Kang's like, no, we use paradoxes to our advantage. So I'm like, oh, okay. I, <laughs> I loved that one line where he's yeah. like, paradoxes are just a weapon of Kang. Like, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I guess the rules I know are out the window. Perfectly fine with that. He's like, Kang must embrace chaos. Kang yeah. is. I'm just like, all right, cool. <laughs> and also, uh, big props to uh, Carlos Magno for not really changing the Kang costume. I am a, a staunch believer that Kang's costume is one of the best Marvel Comics costumes out there. That is simple yeah. and does not need to be really adjusted too much. So no. I was really, I was really into that. Not at all. Yeah, I think, I think... I think you're totally right there. It looks great. Yeah. Also, so Mike Del Mundo on covers for this. Yeah. I mean, that, I love Del Mundo covers. That cover is nuts. Yeah. It's, it's some really strong work. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the future of this series. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I, I went into this expecting this to be a number one that we would read. And then I would probably, you know, kind of whatever. Like if we read the next one, fine. If not, sure. whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say, um, Sorry to spoil this, I guess, but this is almost my pick of the week. Oh, almost. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to give it, I say pull it. You pull this. It's a good book. I agree. Yeah, good number one. Um, it is, uh, is it an ongoing? It doesn't say one of whatever on the cover, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, presumably. Interesting. Okay. Marvel has been doing a lot of these, um, these like kind of sleeper hit villain led books. Like Taskmaster came out last year. I think the trade just came out a couple weeks ago. Real fun book. Uh, Doctor Doom, previously fantastic book. Um, yeah, so they're, they're they're doing some stuff under the radar, which I think people should be checking out. And this is one of them. Yeah, I don't know. I maybe it speaks to um, something we've been kind of seeing them do more and more too, like on the MCU side of the fence, where it's like rather than trying to make villains like a monster of the week that you deal with in one movie and get rid of, they're trying to kind of build them out as characters that return and have arcs and and do those things as well so maybe they're trying to uh you know kind of lay some of that groundwork now so they can pull from it in the future it's merchandise there yeah you know they killed off killmogger way too soon they got to bring that guy back i wonder if they have a way of doing that hmm uh, almost like they've totally just set it up perfectly yeah i know well what if they do that um yeah yeah so yeah what if oh, they did a, they did a killmonger series a couple couple years ago that was real fun yeah, so this yeah, read this one. Yeah, I'm digging it. So. I'll I'll be back for issue number two, that's for sure. All right, so speaking of issue number twos, uh, let's jump into Moon Knight, which I know you were a big fan of the. Uh, uh, yeah, sometimes. Uh, yeah, you know the shirt, was, the action figure. I was figure. tempted to put on my mask. Do it. Uh, Pop no, it. It really squishes my face. It's not good looking. <laughs> Um, and it's way too hot out for that. So I mean, you've got um, three different Moon Knight action figures and a Moon Knight shirt and a mask. So I think to be fair, this is Magneto here. This oh, is, okay. This is for later. That does look a lot like Moon Knight yeah, from well, here. I'm, I'm waiting to. See, I haven't found a good purple suit. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Figure. Don't get me wrong. Moon I like the white suit. White. I like the white suit. Don't worry. I do have a third Moon Knight. It's behind this. <laughs> you were still right. Anyway, um, uh, so I might like Moon Knight. Is what you're trying to say? I might. I might you might. You might. And I gotta say, uh, after catching up on issue number one and then yeah. immediately jumping into issue number two, I feel like I might like Moon Knight. Moon Knight is crazy. It's great. So uh, I'll say this before we get too far away from the top here. Uh, this series is, of course, by uh, Jed McKay on words, uh, Alessandro uh, Capuccio on uh, on art. Uh, Rochelle Rosen, is it Rachel or Rochelle? I think it's Rochelle. Rochelle Rosenberg. I couldn't on, tell you. I've on, never uh, heard it out loud. So on colors yeah. and uh, Corey Petit 
on letters. And, uh, of course, we got Steve McNiven and uh, Frank Diamata on the uh, yeah, cover the art. Aforementioned Steve McNiven. I'm loving the McNiven covers in this, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're fresh. Um, the art in general in this book is is next level. Mm-hmm. It's really, really goddamn good. I'm really, really impressed with it, with what uh, Alessandro's doing. Um, but, yeah, so f- for Moon Knight, right, like, Moon Knight is a character who I love in theory, and mm-hmm. just have not experienced much of. There was a run in, I want to say, 2013 or 14 that I remember a friend of mine was really into. And it was like Probably when he, the, uh, he was like getting all the other different Avengers powers and stuff. Or Oh, that was the Bendis Malieve run. Okay, okay. So I, yeah. re- I remember I had a buddy who was very into that run. And, like, you know, was one of my friends I would go to the shop with and we'd trade mm-hmm. books and stuff. So, like, I read some of that because he was pulling it. Sure. And was like, Moon Knight's fucking insane. Like, what is this character? Yeah, he was even more crazy in that run. Yeah, that's when he yeah. thought Wolverine and Spider-Man were in his head. And he was just wacky as fuck. And, yeah, he was yeah. having all these hallucinations of other characters. And I knew his connection to the moon god and all that stuff, mm-hmm. partly from, like, um... What was that? What was that beat him up? Not beat him up. The, uh, the what's the uh, ultimate Mar- legends or ultimate alliance? Ultimate alliance. alliance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, that was that was my introduction to Moon Knight too. I'm like, oh, who's this guy? This guy's cool. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. I I know the elevator pitch of Moon Knight, and like you know, I've gotten a taste of it with the Bendis Malieve stuff. I I guess, um, but I've not really dug in on the character much, and I I felt like this series, um, the first issue did a really good job of being like. Here's all the boilerplate information you need to know to get in on Moon Knight and like what his deal is in a way that yeah. didn't feel super chunky. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think when I when I talked about the first issue, I was I think when I was critical and I wasn't very critical on it, I generally liked it um, was that it almost spent a little too much time uh, on that, like kind of yeah. getting um, we didn't really get the hook towards the end. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, it was definitely expositional. Sure, but I felt like the issue was enough fun, and it grounded itself enough that I was like, "All right, cool." Like I kind of needed this. Like, and and with a character as convoluted of a history as Moon Knight, it's in my head. I'm like, "Yeah, it's a lot, but it's kind of necessary." Yeah, Um, Yeah. I I I put him in the same realm as like Wonder Woman with its with his backstory. It's like all of the writers kind of have its own take on him. Yeah, and a lot of it, you know, works together, and a lot of it's contradictory. Um. But uh, yeah, Moon Knight's one of those characters where, like you mentioned, the Benis Malieve run. But like, I think he has a lot of good stories written by some really good people that are kind of um, not praised enough. He's like, you know, how, like every team that's on Daredevil usually hits it out of the park. It's sure. like, oh, Daredevil's like, oh, that that book was great. It's been good for twenty years or something. Uh, Moon Knight's kind of that thing too. It's just not as consistent in terms of its release. Uh, Max Bemis of Say Anything did a pretty interesting Moon Knight uh, arc. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah, cool. That was, I didn't know that. was the one that. before this one, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and he's had a history of mental illness, so he really tackles that kind of part of it. There's a Jeff Lemire arc that is fantastic. Ooh. Um, I'm going to have to go Shelby. back and read some of these. Yeah, Declan Shalvey does the art on Warren Ellis's run. Oh, damn. Which is what the shirt's from. Um, uh, and, and I feel like th- this, this issue kind of felt like that Ellis run a bit for me, where it kind of had this monster a week kind of energy to this one. Yeah. And, and, and I guess kind of last issue too, you know? 
Yeah, like he was dealing with the the uh, vampires in the last yep, yep. one, and then he like fights those like rat people or whatever, <laughs> and then he's yeah, just... yeah, the, the vermin, yeah, yeah, and then right, right, vermin, and then uh, and then this time, you know, he's dealing with this weird, sweaty guy oh, who controls yeah. people or whatever. It's like, yeah, right, you know, what? that was disgusting. It was and if you look if you look at the McNiven cover after reading the book, it's even more disgusting because it has this like sweat around his mouth and oh it's it's, it's nasty. Um yeah and like honestly I I don't think the monster a week sort of thing really works in most comics really. Um I think that people more more want a overarching story going yeah. on. Um and this has that it has this thing seated out with this this other you know, a disciple of Kansu kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like Moon Knight really just taking down people the only way he knows how on it, which is by doing the stupidest thing possible. <laughs> you know what? And, and I, I think I generally agree with you. I, I don't think the monster of the week thing works super well anymore in comics, but, sure. yep. but, but I think this is a good example of how you use it. Well, sure. because yep. I think like Moon Knight is a character who, you know, I, I think it's safe to say, right? Like, no disrespect intended. He's a, a C-lister at best. He's more like a D-lister. Where it's like, I feel like, uh, not in terms of quality, but in terms of brand name recognition, right? Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. people don't really, like, know Moon Knight. They might know of him, but I feel like he's more a character that, like, unless you're a die-hard Marvel mark, you know, you're probably more casually familiar with him you know, f- however you are, right? Yeah. So, like, having this as a entry point to the character and letting him just kind of go on some adventures and establish mm-hmm. some supporting characters and, you know, establish this villain who we're going to get to focusing on probably in the next couple issues. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's working right now. I think this, this um, well, Moon Knight's one of those characters where I think every, a lot of people know who Moon Knight is. But they don't know who he is. If that makes sense. Yeah, like what he's about. Like they can recognize him. Oh, he's just he's just Marvel's Batman. You know, like he, he, I used to hear that a lot. Um, uh, which is no. not the case. Yeah, yes, they are both uh, messed in the head uh, in, in different ways. He but. has he has something that looks like a batarang, and he has a cape. But yeah, that's about yeah. it. <laughs> he, did, he does have like a, a moon plane too. That's which, true. Yeah, the moon that. plane. I um, forgot about that. I love the the crescent. I think it's called the crescent wing. I was gonna ask that? you. I was yeah. like, "What's the deal with that? Is he rich? Did his god give him this plane?" <laughs> Again, like it's hard to condense who he is. It's like, yes, he's sort of rich. He had a butler at one point too. Um, so yeah, there were there was a time where he kind of was Marvel's Batman. Even I think uh, um, Finch was drawing uh, Moon Knight covers at the time too. So that only met, led people to think, "Oh yeah, it's, this is really," um, but it worked. Uh, I'm getting um, kind of strong Sherlock vibes from this. You ever watch the BBC Sherlock? No. Where where you have this eccentric, you know, um, lead character who's solving these crimes that people come to him with. He has his office that they're like, hey, I had this issue you need to help me out with. And he's eccentric, but he has his more down to earth strength you know, the straight person to his wackiness. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, I forget her name. Reese. Was it Reese? Yeah. Reese. The vampire. He's essentially the, the, um, the whole, no, not the, what's what Sherlock's, um, Oh, uh, Watson Watson. Yeah. She's essentially his Watson. Um, and even in that show, there was like the monster week thing with an overarching tale in the background. So this, this has real weird Sherlock vibes, which is not what I, if somebody pitched it, pitched that to me, I'd be like, "Oh, that's interesting." Um, but it's kind of working for me here. 
real quick. Your cat just came in through the screen. Did and, really? and everybody just got a good, if you didn't see it, rewind a second. Because I got a great <laughs> shot of him just going, oh, like, pushing really? his face through. Yeah, yeah. so funny. Uh, listen, well, that's Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge for you. So. Sweet boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the Monster of the Week thing's working for me right now. Like, yeah. I, if we have a couple more issues like this, like, I'm down because I feel like it's done a good job of using that as a jumping off point to teach people like me who are interested but not, like, initiated, uh, yeah. like, what Moon Knight's, like, deal is, you know? Yeah, it's and, also one of those things that works well in single issues and in trade. Mm-hmm. So, you're kind of... So that's why I would I, I would say pull it if you pulled issue one. But like this also, work, I feel like this will work well as a trade too. I agree. I think I think you, it, yeah. If you're not like you know, if maybe if, if issue one didn't super grab you or whatever, and, yeah. and you're like kind of on the fence, like fine with the trade weight. But I think for me, um, I got to give it a pull it because. Yeah. And in fact, I'm actually going to go a step further. I'm going to say this was my pick of the week. There we go. A new uh, Moon Knight uh, convert. Convert? Kansu I'm joining con- the parish. A, What's a, up? <laughs> a Kansu convert. There you there go. There we go. Yeah. There's uh, the alliteration we're looking for. A god not worthy of worship, but that's okay. Um, because sure. yep. I'm not a great worshiper. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I had a lot of fun with this book, and yeah. and it it surprised me um how digestible it was. You know, because it is very exposition heavy. At least the first issue was, and I, I read them back to back. Um, but it feels like it's definitely trying to teach you about Moon Knight. But like, I feel like that's what's needed because like that's a character who's about to become uh, probably a lot more relevant. Um, yeah, I think once the show comes out, he's gonna be pretty damn popular. He's gonna have a moment. Yeah, yeah, and, and great, awesome. That's cool. I think for a lot of people, like they, you know, when when that shows out. And you have that like WandaVision moment where everyone's like, well, where do I, what do I go read? What's a good Moon Knight book to read? It's like, I mean, granted to your point, lots of good runs in, in mm-hmm. history, but I think this run is trying to like pull all of it together and move forward now, you know, cause it yeah. felt like it was acknowledging a lot of stuff from those past runs. I haven't read them, but it was very much like, this is a character with history. Remember when he did this? Remember when yeah, I did they that? De- they directly referenced a lot of it, yeah. And yeah, we're trying to like kind of bring it all together so we can move forward with this renewed, you know, not, maybe not renewed, but I guess newfound interest that's probably right around the corner for this character, similar to what Kang's trying to do right now. Yeah, yeah. even though it's it's uh, obvious corporate synergy, uh, it's good stuff still. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and yeah. to me, like, that's what's important, right? Like, mm-hmm. if yep. if crass corporate synergy leads to a solid Moon Knight book on the shelves, yeah, well, whatever, I'm enjoying it. So, pull it. It's my pick of the week. All right, so let's jump into, uh, I'll get it out of the way, the book I liked the least this week, Way of I X. Is, I think this is my pick of the week. Really? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. All right, I'm ready to talk about it. Okay. So, uh, of course, um, this one is uh by Cy Spurrier on uh on on words. We've got um Bob Quinn on art. We've got uh ja- Java Tartaglia? Tartaglia? Tartaglia. Tartaglia on uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. On color. Sorry for that. For, sorry for mispronouncing your name. And uh of course Clayton Cowles on letters and Tom Muller on designs just like on all the X books. Uh so Tyler, you said this is this is your pick of the week expound because i think for me i really like this book at the Mm -hmm. jump 
and I've been increasingly getting frustrated with it. I think that's fair. I, I think it, it is hard to tell you what this book is. I think it was marketed as, oh, Nightcrawler-led book where he's forming a religion. I think that's how it was marketed. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's becoming more than that. I think there is a very good question that this book is positing. It's Krakoa is this, this sacred land for all mutant kind where they can live in happiness and death isn't permanent. But with a society where death isn't permanent, how do you stop it from going insane? Yeah. Because what, like, what matters at that point? Nothing matters. So then you have um, Fabian. Is it Fabian Costa? I always forget his name. He was in Sword too. Um, Fabian Cortez. Fabian yeah, Cortez. Cortez. He's kind of the embodiment of what could happen to everyone. Mm. Like this guy's like, nothing matters. You can die. You can come back. It's fine. There's no order here. And Nightcrawler's trying to find that that one particular thing that can kind of unite mutantdom. Um, and I think Nightcrawler is the perfect person for that. This guy has always been conflicted with his his faith versus his mutant side. And like I, and here's why I'm frustrated, Tyler. Okay. Because I completely agree with you. Yeah. I've been coming to bat for this book like every week, and 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 that is the thing that I like about it. My mm-hmm. problem is that is increasingly not what the book is about, and it's it's becoming more and more about at least seemingly right about um legion and you know and um onslaught and seemingly driving towards inferno and like it it went from for me anyway it it feels like it's gone from that elevator pitch of nightcrawler tries to solve this you know problem with krakoa this Mm -hmm. this this crisis of of conscious of faith or whatever you want to call it that the mutant people are going through now that you know they're immortal so effectively life has no meaning um and i i feel like it's now kind of driving towards becoming a preamble to an event book do we know if onslaught's gonna be part of inferno no no okay no but i feel like yes i don't i don't think so i uh, first of all i think i think inferno is really going to be the moira story uh, we don't need to get yeah. into the news aspect of it but like sure. hickman and all that like that's i think it's the moira mystique story i think it's a culmination of that yeah so I probably think, i think the onslaught stuff will be delegated just to this book um you don't feel like I, that has anything to do with that i feel like that's gonna I don't think so no. uh, i hope you're right because i feel like that is going to be the gas on the fire no i think i think the, the this this book is is that kurt is trying to find the cracks in Krakoa, really. He's trying to find where where there could be issues, and how does he how does he fix that? These big um, nebulous ideas, um, and I think Onslaught is also finding that and filling in the cracks in a more uh, nefarious way. So, like one of the cracks is like, what happens to all the the lost time between resurrections? You lose out these memories that you didn't have behind backup. It's like when you get a new phone, you missed out on like two contacts or something. Like whatever happens, to this, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. So like the idea of that is is, is brought up in here because right? that's how onslaught's kind of seeping his way into mutant society is is he's filling these openings in people's consciousness. Um, there's that. There's the idea of you know mutants who have previously been enemies. You know these people have killed their loved ones. 
how do you how do you live with something like that yeah you know so that that's weaved in here i think there's a lot i'll admit there's a lot going on and i didn't even touch upon legion yet um <laughs> so there's there's a lot happening but i i think i think having kurt as the anchor and admittedly i'm a huge nightcrawler fan so am i so my go-to x-men arcade game character respect um, yes not colossus sorry although his power-up noise is pretty good so like uh, there is some bias involved there sure sure um but uh, i don't know i'm also like i i've i used to not very not be a very big size burger fan a lot of stuff was a little too weighty i guess it was a little too heavy um but i've been really warming up to him lately specifically i think it was since coda and then his hellblazer one is run is fantastic uh, and seeing him do this, um, I'm I'm really enjoying this. And and the art is is nothing to to even like slouch at. Bob no. Quinn is great. Yeah, there's great work in this book for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah and definitely no, nothing against the art. That's never been my issue with the book. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, and and I know that like I really want to like this book. Sure, yeah. but I think the last issue I was starting to feel frustrated. And then this one, I was just kind of like, oh, my God, like, I just want to pick a lane. You know, I think it's the There's fact a, that it's yeah. trying to split its attention between Nightcrawler and his journey and Legion and Professor X and what's going on with Onslaught. I just it feels like it should be two books. I do. I'll, I would admit, like the the Legion stuff. Not that it feels out of place. I think when it when it's Legion Nightcrawler, it makes sense. But there's a lot of like just Legion dealing with his own shit in this. Yeah. Um, where it's like, uh, where does that really fit? Um, it, there are a lot of spinning plates, I think. And here's hoping none of them, you know, break on the way down. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I have I have faith. <laughs> I have faith that they can uh, that that this team can kind of hopefully stick the landing on this. I feel like what what are we at issue five? So. Yeah, this is five. Should be getting somewhere soon. Probably about halfway I mean, through. I'm enjoying the the, the, the the run anyway. I mean, we have Zorn in this book. How cool is that? <laughs> Two of them. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I'm fully out on the book yet, but I feel like I'm starting to get to a place with it like I did with Marauders, where I'm just kind of like, I just feel like we're kind of spinning our tires a little bit here. Like, I, yeah. I, like if... I don't know if, if that's what the book is about. Like, let's let's get there and say something about it. You know, um, it's like like tell me what the destination is so I can enjoy the ride, essentially. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I'm at with it now is like it, it feels like it's been so hot and cold in terms of what it wants to focus on that I feel like I'm struggling to um, to keep up with what my inroad is supposed to be, which is for me anyway, Nightcrawler. Because he's a character I love, and I totally agree with you that, like, he's the right character to explore this kind of, like, sociological theme in the yeah, X-Men. No, for sure. You know, and, and what, what Krakoa looks like today. Um, and that's the stuff about this era of X-Men that has been most interesting to me, has been the kind of, like, what does mutant society look like? What does it mean to have an immortal society? All those kinds of things. So... When the book does contend with those things, I love it. Um, it's it's everything else that's happening kind of on the margins that I feel like feels a little distracting. But that's fair. Yeah. I, I I'm this far in, like I'm happy to give it, you know, um, a few more issues and and see how it how it comes together. Um, but I think for me, I'm gonna give this a trade weight at this that's point. Fair. Yeah. 
All right, so let's jump into uh, arguably, I guess, but what I would call the main event, uh, The Trial of Magneto Number 1. This is the book that we said last week that we were, uh, I think, most looking forward to this week, most of us yeah. anyway. Also known as X-Factor Number 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, as you just referenced, right, this kind of comes hot off of X-Factor 10 where we, we found out that um, you know Scarlet Witch was murdered during the... Um, the uh, uh, Hellfire Gala, and you know, kind of picks up shortly after that in the direct aftermath. While you know, the X Men, X Force, and um, uh, 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 and is it X Factor? What's the other X Factor? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, those members of those three teams are kind of coordinating to try and uh, inspect, you know, the the crime scene, solve the murder, figure out what's going on. Um, as I'm sure everyone knew from the title of this book, of course, Magneto <laughs> ends up becoming the prime suspect. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, what did you think about this book? And what do you think is the truth of the matter right now? I, uh, hmm. I don't know if I really, really even thought that far when it comes to the truth of it. Um, so I, I, I read most of X Factor and kind of dropped off, I think probably at like, Number 10 was the last last one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably dropped off around seven or so. Um, I really wasn't into it. And, and this actually was supposed to be the next arc of X Factor. I was reading a Olaya Williams interview. Really? Where she pitched this as the next arc, arc of X Factor. And then Marvel was like, no, we should do an event. And they actually then canceled X Factor instead of letting her. Um, she had, she had uh, I think, scripted up to 15. Damn. Yeah. Um, and then she had to condense all of it into X-Men or X-Factor 10. So that kind of sucks. But th these were her plans to to go in that. At least she's um, getting to write this book. You got to imagine this book is going to sell better than yeah. X-Factor 16 oh, I agree. would have. I mean, I think so. in terms of a marketing thing, I think, yeah. If you if you have this big Scarlet Witch story, um, you, you make it an event. The you trial know? of Magneto sounds very dramatic. Real, real, real heavy. Yeah. Um, I thought it was I thought it was fine. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, it's spent way too much time on the autopsy for me. Sure. Uh, I think it, it got very like even CSI wouldn't spend this much time on, <laughs> on the autopsy. Like we'd get a throwaway line, like, Oh, there's, there's ligature marks on her neck or something like that. You know, I did think it was um, funny, like how much they were just like, allow us to explain how we're using our superpowers to I, examine this dead body. And it's like, I thought it was a little gratuitous to be honest. I'm like, I trust you guys. Like, I, yeah, yeah I get it. Like y'all have superpowers. Like, like there's like three captions explaining like the depths of which, uh, <laughs> the depths at which iBoy can see and I'm like yeah yeah cool I got well, it I will say I'm all in for iBoy getting more uh more strength in his powers and in him being pretty much sure. a JSX Machina now totally cool with that sure um but like I was actually almost getting uncomfortable by the time they're like yeah they're like being real descriptive about how she was killed like pushing down on her head and strangling yeah, it's like, like yeah I like, no uh, I don't know if I really want to read a Marvel event comic that uh explicitly des uh describes how a woman gets killed you know like not what i'm looking for uh, yeah but i think once we got past that you know then it really became a magneto story about how he he wants uh wanda to be revived and the fact that you know they were able like she was she was known as a mutant for decades in right real life and it turns out cerebro thought she was a mutant too so there are backups of her so then you get into this philosophical thing like even though she's not a mutant we can still revive her do we do that um, that I enjoyed. 
turns out I, I enjoy the real philosophical parts of Krakoa. me too. Yeah, that's that's my favorite thing, and like I love yeah. that the, that debate, right? Because like sure. obviously you can you can make the like uh, Kate makes the case, right? Of like you know we if we can do this, I feel like we have the moral obligation to because yeah. it won't yeah. cost us anything. Like you know this is what we should do, and then you know. Um, Kind of flippantly, right? But like you have Emma make the point of like, well, we'd have a world without Wanda. And like you can understand why the mutants would feel that way, right? Sure. Like aside yeah. from the whole like pretender thing, which like, you know, feels like for their society and where they're at and like what mutant, you know, uh, culture and like pride and all those things are kind of emerging as concepts. Um, you can understand why the general response to her would be that. But also like obviously House of M. Right, like yeah. one of the yeah. worst events in mutant history. Um, yeah, you get, the, you get that double whammy of House of M, and then her never actually being mutant in the first place. So, like, right, and it's like the entire like crucible even existing is because of what she did and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's like yeah. a huge part of their culture um, comes from the the shared trauma of dealing with her. So, like, fair play, right? Like that all that all plays for me fine. Um, and I'm I I definitely like I'm into the overall like idea of of this trial and the the murder mystery and all that stuff. But I definitely felt like uh, similarly to you. I I felt like I could just feel the the gears turning a little bit. You know, like with them getting so yeah. in the weeds about you know the 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 lengths that they're going to to try and figure this out. The the quiet council discussion on whether or not they should revive Wanda is like a third of the amount of time it takes them to describe how she was killed. Like their pacing is a little weird. And I'm way more interested in that. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. like, and it's, it's funny. Cause like, it also doesn't help that this is an extremely wordy book, extremely yep. wordy. Um, as, my, as my cat knocks down my Magneto action figure, <laughs> it shows how he feels about this one. And like, timing, but we, we practiced that one. So, <laughs> And I, I don't feel like the pacing is, uh, to your point, I don't I don't think it's it's as good. Um, you know, we talked about how Kang was very wordy earlier on and, like, that played to its strengths, whereas I think in this, it felt like it kind of bogged things down. Like, I'm scrolling through um, the conversation that they have about this, and it's just like, oh, my God, there's so many balloons on some of these pages. Yeah. And, like, I think something that we've talked about in the past um, that some of the other X-Books have done is, like, when you get in the Quiet Council conversations, a lot of them will adopt, like, the nine-panel grid or, like, sometimes even more than that. Sure. And, like, I think that works so much better for a conversation than trying to have, you know, wider shots but then just covering them in balloons and, like, having to do, like, super odd shapes you know, like there's uh, there was yeah. one that I called out specifically. Um, it's right after Magneto attacks Charles, and uh, it's it's like the the page right after that, right? It's middle of the page, and he goes, "This behavior is beneath you, Magneto." Uh, and um, the last balloon is Magneto talking, and he says, "So accustomed to bludgeoning," or I'm sorry, it's Mystique. So accustomed to bludgeoning a path toward whatever it is you want, that now you've lost sight of the fact that not all will be amenable to your bullying. And it's like the shape that this balloon yeah, it's, it's, is—it's weird, yeah. Because there's yeah. nowhere to put it on this page. 
which sucks because the the, the Wernick art, uh, it's Wernick and Del, Delgado, was it? Wernick and Edgar Delgado, yeah. It's fantastic. It's, it's really, really good. good art. Yeah. Like that, that double page spread of, of, of Wanda in like the healing gardens where the panels are kind of framed by vines, like her cone yeah. vines. I thought that was great. But like, and then it's all, oh, there's a lot of word bubbles. It's just there, yeah. littered with bubbles like that page specifically. Like if you take all of the words off of this page, it's a beautiful double page spread. Yeah. But like or there's that shot of mystique kind of like Riley looking at Magneto freaking out. It's good mystique stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I think like, I don't know, like looking at the Wanda page, the Wanda page is the one we were talking about where they're like getting yep. way, way too expositional about you know, just some of the mechanics of the examination or how she was murdered. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, like, I just I like let the let the art breathe a little bit. You yeah. Know? And also, like, Leia Williams, like, I, I like her for her humor. Honestly, I think the funny stuff she's done is fantastic. Um, And this is heavy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say. You know, the idea of, you know, Wanda, a spoiler, uh, Wanda gets killed and this is the trial and, and her and people, you know, Krakoa reacting to it. Um, I was a little iffy on that because then uh, the person who gets killed, that there's no real, we don't get like anything from her. We just have to deal with another woman dead in comics, you know. Sure. Um, it's like Krakoa fridge someone at that point. Uh, but like getting the uh, the the tease at the end that like oh she might not actually be dead something else might be going on that was where I turned on it I was like yeah all right like, okay. I'm in all right okay if you want to give me if you want to give me the Scarlet Witch redemption arc fine let's go let's do it well and also right like the literally the last page of the book is so it's beautiful nice. it's yeah beautiful like that's a page where it lets the art speak for itself. Um, yeah, which I feel like most of the books should have been doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, it also doesn't help that like there's so many characters that speak in this. Mm-hmm. I yeah. couldn't count the amount of characters. They don't even tell you the amount of characters in the uh, in the the recap page. Like they're they're yeah, they list nine, but there's way more than that, right? Oh like, yeah. Um. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, I don't know. Like I I, I found myself lukewarm is too harsh i don't know that i'm lukewarm on it but i found myself warm on it not hot and i think the reason that i am so critical of it is because of the stuff that works i think really works and the stuff that doesn't work isn't terrible it was just avoidable you know like the 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 bogged down the over exposition of the murder and all that kind of stuff like if you just trim some of that back like i think this issue works really well so i think the fact that you have a few things that don't work for me like sticking out like a sore thumb it makes them feel more egregious than they really are personally i think that's where i'm at no i totally totally get that yeah i'm kind of on the same same fence with you there um i would say still pull it Definitely, you know, like Definitely I think, so I think there is a good story that's going to be told here. I have confidence in Leigh Williams for, you know, in the long run mm-hmm. to do this, especially if, you know, she's been planning this for a while. Yeah, it may, this may not be the version she was planning, but she's been planning on the story for a while. So, yeah. And I think even just like coupled with the fact that there's no way that this isn't going to be really important long term. Sure, um, yeah. If you're if you're interested in what's happening in Krakoa, you you'd have to be reading this book, right? Like, yeah. I, I feel like between this and what's going on with Onslaught 
and you know what we're building tour toward with Moira and Inferno, right? Like all of that stuff. Um, it feels like it's kind of coming to a head, uh, and I, I don't really see any way that this isn't one of the you know the major things that we're going to be talking about in in the weeks to come as we're you know I think probably looking at either the fall of Krakoa or a potential beginning of the end, whether or not they can avert that um, yeah. remains to be seen. But I do like how uh, Magneto decided to wear his uh, black costume and not be conspicuous at all. He's like in he mourning. Brought, he brought out the, uh, the Cullen Bunn Magneto series costume. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, his yeah. daughter's dead, Tyler. I, uh, <laughs> do you have to wear a trench coat to your, <laughs> your daughter's funeral? <laughs> He just had like bad guy Magneto written all over him. That's hilarious. Dude wasn't hiding at all. No, you know, he's he's wearing his feelings on his his sleeve right now. You know, <laughs> he's trying to make sure that everybody knows exactly how in mourning he is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I had fun. Oh yeah, I had fun with it too. I'm I'm looking forward to the next issue, and I'm hoping that um, as we get a little bit, you know, more into things, that um, you know, that there's not as much kind of like, you know. Uh, exposition. Sure, I think we got the story now, so let's let's go for it. I think the yeah. the 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 track has been laid, and now we can actually you know take a ride on it. So, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right, cool. So, before we jump, let's talk about the books dropping next week that we are most excited for. So, uh, a book that I did not know was coming. Um, I am definitely throwing this one out there though, is Spider-Man Life Story Annual number one. Oh yeah, this is happening. Yep. Yeah, Chip Zdarsky, Mark Bagley. Uh, we did a, I believe it was a book club for, for Spider-Man Life Story. So if you want to hear our thoughts on uh, the first arc, you can go check that out. But this is, uh, it says a special encore return to the world of Spider-Man Life Story by the original creative team. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited for this. I really enjoyed uh, Life Story uh, for what it was, and you know I've I've definitely made no bones about it that I very much enjoyed Chip Zdarsky's uh, Spider Man. Um, I feel I think like, outside of Howard the Duck, it's his best Marvel work. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I I I think for, from you that's high praise. Um, and I, yeah, I think for me, like I, he taps into what I love about Spider-Man. And I yep. feel like the era that he grew up on and like holds close to his heart is the same stuff that was really formative for me as a teenager when I was getting into the character or more like, I guess more getting back into the character. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to see him do some Spider-Man stuff. So yeah, uh, let's return to that world. I'm in. Yeah. And judging by the solicits, this is going to be a mostly J. Juno Jameson story, which Everybody Chip knows good JJJ. He yeah. loves he loves Jolly Jonah. That's for sure. <laughs> what about you? Um, so for me, I've been really enjoying uh, James Tinian's Department of Truth from Image Comics. Okay. Um, it is a very interesting. So it's a uh, James Tinian and Martin Simmons. Uh, this is the artist on it. It's essentially what if there's this extra you know, department of the government that um, controls conspiracies and and, and so much that if something is believed enough it becomes real and they have to remember rules eh? essentially yeah so (laughs) it's like like the idea of like flat earth is a big thing recently 
they had to actually go because there the earth was flat at that point because too many people were believing it. So it's like controlling the ideas of conspiracy <laughs> theories and like the, the last arc, which was I think a two or three issue arc, was up about Bigfoot and it was about this this guy who pretty much spent it, him and his father spent their whole lives like obsessing over Bigfoot as an idea. And it was really sad. It was a real sad story and depressing and fantastic. Um, <laughs> nice. And, you know, they're tackling cryptids. They're tackling, you know, I think this next one is going to be tackling JFK. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, it's, it's a little a little heavy at points. You know, they talk about some like real world shit that like, it's like this shouldn't be a conspiracy, but because it is, we're having to deal with it, you know? Mm, okay. Um, it's, it, and it's very current in in that sense i don't want to you know name it you know on the show but like there's some very current things that like shouldn't be conspiracy theories and like the idea that they are uh and having um these government agents which is which is run by um oh uh lee harvey oswald is like the head of this uh <laughs> this, this thing too so that's great yeah it's it's very it's 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 depressing yet fun so okay I like that. That's my that's my jam. Yeah, it's good. Um, so normally, uh, you know, we we save the image callouts for for our image show, but you know what? Since you did it, I am going to call out the other image book uh, that I'm excited for, which is Made in Korea number four uh, by mm. Jeremy Holt and George Shaw. We've been really enjoying uh, Made in Korea. We jumped on that bandwagon early on the first episode, and we actually had uh, Jeremy Holt on the show a while yep. ago. Uh, so go check out that interview we did with Jeremy and check out our previous reviews if you haven't already. Uh, Made in Korea is one of the books I've been enjoying the most this year. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, issue number four next week as well. Cool. So that'll be it for us here. Thank you guys for joining us here on this week's edition of the Comics Pals comic book reviews, uh, the Marvel Marks special episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let us know which book you enjoyed the most. What was your pick of the week? Let us know what books you want to see us cover next week. Is there a book that you think we should have pulled that we didn't? Is there a book dropping that you definitely want to hear our thoughts on? Write in and let us know in all the ways that I said before. Of course, you can hit us up at the comicspals at gmail.com. You can come join our Discord. You can uh, get us on social wherever we get messages or you know throw a comment at the end of this video wherever you want to get us uh let us know what books you're pulling and what books you want us to be pulling and we will get them next week and you can hear our thoughts there of course you can also go grab our image reviews that drop every wednesday day and date uh because image is nice enough to send us those advanced review copies uh so we get a chance to read them on time and get them out to you day one so uh, go check that stuff out. And if you haven't before, uh, go tune into the main show every week, every Monday. Uh, we have the Comics Pals podcast proper where we get together and talk about uh, the industry goings on, all your favorite characters, wherever you can get them, all your favorite creators and all the bad things that they do. Uh, we're there talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go check it out uh, if you haven't before. And, um, you know, show your support however you can. Uh, we greatly appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. We'll catch you next week for another round of Comics Pals Reviews. See you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.